Hello and welcome to the fourth podcast for the Northeast Organic Discussion Group. Ahead of the fourth meeting, I spoke to Alistair Wilson, who farms at Upper Wheelmont Farm, and Ewan Johnson, who is an SAC consultant based at Thainston. We discussed Alistair's rotational grazing and all other aspects of grassland management on the farm. Alistair, um, do you want to outline the farming system, what uh, stock you've got and areas? Hi, uh, we've got uh, 475 hectares here, uh, which is 328 hectares of hill and rough grazing, 90 hectares of a permanent pasture and 45 hectares of Arable, in a mostly like grass rotations, seven years grass, one year barley, under sun. Uh, we've got eighty-five cows, mostly Herefords, as a uh, twelve pure white Galloways as well, using uh, Hereford and uh, white bridge Jotham bull. Uh, we use cleanse, mostly cleanse, just under three hundred use. Uh, put the uh, clean or deviate. Tops. Most of the progeny for both cows and the sheep are sold fat, so sell some store, just like a space and stuff. Been organic since 2009, which has worked really well. Uh, so why did you go organic back in 2009? Well, it was just get them fed up and keep on Cattle to make less and less money, and then I didn't have room in the sheds for them, and it was in pneumonia and problems. And uh, I did the MSC course at Crepston, the organic course, and uh, so the organic farm could work, and thought I'd get it done, and it seemed really good, like it really went that well. So, was that course quite an important part of your decision then, doing the MSC? Actually, to learn the course, probably not so much. It was more seeing what other farmers have been doing and certainly it could work. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, ah, it was a, a push in the right direction. Anyway. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, and you started rotational grazing in the last few years as well. Um, do you want to say what, what, what class of stock are you rotational grazing, rotationally grazing and why did you go in for that? Too? It's uh, the store cattle that grazed the so there. Yearlings in 18 months, two year old. Uh, because, it, because I've got 45 hectares of arable water, land that can be curtailed and grazing it, things uh, in valley. That 45 hectares is to work hard. Yeah, so it's organic, it's still quite intensive. And the rest of the parent pastures out about in two stone here to cut and stuff like that. So, um, a limited area for grazing cattle, we could them a mix hillage and I had to make that area we, work, we, as we hard work as yeah. hard as possible. So, I tried additional grazing till yeah. time. Do you find that uh, that'll be putting more organic matter into the ground as well for, to benefit the arable rotation moving on as well, would you say? Or the arable crops in the rotation? It's the arable crop is almost really just a, a waggering back into grass. Oh, okay. Yeah. In the, the just a break crop for the grass before it goes back to grass. Aye. Yeah. Aye. Okay. It gives you a chance to control weeds and stuff before you go back in. Aye. Yeah. The is on the sun, we hybrid dry grass, dry clover mix. That grass that mix is down for one year, then it's put it back until permanent permanent pasture long term lay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
then but the first year or the long term is being used for the rotational grazing okay okay How's it working? Are the stock doing well? Are you in higher stocking rates, more output from the grass? Definitely higher stocking rates, yeah. more output. Whether the cattle's doing it better, it's hard to say. Mm. But they definitely doing it worse anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the total, total output's a lot more per, per acre. Per acre, yeah. No. What kind of area are you, are you rotationally grazing? What kind of stock numbers are you getting? Uh, last year, at 17 acre. We forty seven cattle on it. Average about four hundred kilos safe in the ton. That was too much grass. And the pental cut a uh, cut areas for uh, for silage. But cut half of silage then had to move the cattle off because enough grass for about a month. Then had to move them back on again, but then it was edge again, so end up cutting again. Mm-hmm. So I end up making about 250 bales of silage off of that uh, 17 acre and crazy cuddle on it. Mm-hmm. So the output was quite amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just shows the benefits of um, intensive management of grassland. No. You know, grass grows more grass, mm-hmm. and uh, the output per acre or per hectare. It is going up because uh, you're improving that utilisation of the grass mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I think I suppose organic farmers uh, have got a lot to, that uh, conventional farmers can learn from with, with mm-hmm. you know um, pushing the grass harder because they have to uh, and especially with uh, Alistair's situation here where he's got limited arable ground uh, mm-hmm. he needs to make that arable ground work Work well oh, and to his advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, commented earlier that uh, with these uh, warm, dry summers, that it was his fields that were looking the greenest mm-hmm. compared to others in the county. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that's testament to to his management. The high organic matter with the level of grassland in the um, mm-hmm. and I suppose a, a living, breathing soil as as uh, your organic. Um, do you think the uh, the method of grazing with the, and the rest period, I suppose, in rotational grazing is allowing that a, a better root system to develop in the grass, which would be part of the reason for coping with drought conditions? Could quite possibly be, yeah. because, um, you know, with rotational and, and uh, paddock grazing, you're, you're leaving that rest period for the plant to grow. Um, and I suppose... Um, the plant's not just growing above the ground, it's also growing below the ground, so it's getting a chance to build a bigger root system and more biomass in the in the soil, which is aiding to the organic matter, which then helps moisture retention uh, and uh, aiding soil structure. Mm-hmm. So it can become more resilient to these changes in, in the climate. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Alistair? Aye, definitely. Aye. Mm-hmm. Aye. I thought I think just... The fact that they didn't use fertilizer and, and sprays is probably a bigger advantage for the root development because yeah. it makes, makes the roots less lazy and makes them have to go and look for stuff and yeah, yeah. and makes them plant healthier, which makes the stock healthier, which makes the people who eat the stock healthier. Because <laughs> you say, they, you are what you eat. Doctor, yeah. you are what you eat, eats. Well, in case of beef or lamb, it's yeah, what you eat, eat, 
It's <laughs> yeah. it have a, a knock-on effect all the way through the future. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, you start looking at it, the way the soil works, the way the human guts works, mm. it's alpha similar. And if you keep one right, it works right through. It works keeps it keeps it us healthier as well. Yeah, I have heard soil scientists talk about this too, especially the thing with the you know bagged fertilizer and that making the, the plant a bit lazy when it comes to searching for nutrients that if it's you know a, a fuller root system and less nitrogen going on then it will you know still do quite well without the well the classic example is is clover um clover is a legume and can fix its own nitrogen um, with all the the rhizobial bacteria mm-hmm. that works this kind of symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. the plant provides the, the sugars from the, the photosynthesis uh, and the the bacteria live off that and can produce then the, the nitrogen for the plant to utilise yeah. but it costs the plant a lot of energy to feed these rhizobium bacteria mm-hmm. and so it's not going to do it unless it really has to yeah. and just as Alistair said if there's bagged fertiliser uh, nitrogen fertiliser available it's not going to go to all the effort of feeding these bacteria mm-hmm. um, and so if it, it doesn't have to if it yeah. doesn't have to yeah. and so when there's no bagged nitrogen there uh, it does have to work harder uh, and create that relationship with the the rhizobium bacteria, mm-hmm. and then yes, the roots will search far and wide um, for the nutrients mm-hmm. it needs. Yeah. Uh, our clover is quite an important part of your seed mixtures. Yeah, important yeah. dye. Yeah, is that white and red clover? White and red dye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, a kilo and a half per acre of red clover and a kilo of white clover. Okay. Yeah. But and a fifteen kilo mix. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you find the red clover lasts, persists in the mixtures? It, by the end of the seven-year rotation of grass, it's kind of disappeared. Okay. But I would say maybe four or five years. It's it's works for last last okay, yeah. By which time the white clover seems to be taken over and mm-hmm. you end up just a pure white clover swat. Because in the past people have said that red clover might only last two years or even three years, but I think the modern varieties of red clover seem to be lasting uh, longer than that. No. I think if they're managed correctly as well. Yes, no, I think I would agree with that, yes. Um, Red clover does prefer a a cutting regime rather than a a constant grazing system. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you've got to be a wee bit careful maybe in the the early years if you want to see that persistence. Mm -hmm. But uh, plant breeders have been trying to... To, yeah. to push that persistence because yeah. it fixes a lot more nitrogen than white clover mm-hmm. um, so the productivity yeah. is is there a good a good yielder as well when it comes to silage yields no, yeah. 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 So, do you have any bother with the oestrogen issues people talk about no I usually typically use on the almost a pure red clover mix okay. never had no problems okay well, that is interesting yeah no. but, uh, it's good though because yeah. the, the, the as I said the balisons under sown by a for a year with red clover I was never that in the sown but just a cut crop for a, for a winter, uh, red clover in some Italian ryegrass or hybrid ryegrass so after harvest that's the sheep you've you, you, gone to that mm-hmm. and they do well, I'd like. Yeah, there you go. Well, the biggest problem is too much tablets, I think. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Well, that's interesting to hear, Alistair, because I would always be a bit nervous of putting uh, B 
big and cheap, especially around Tuppen Time onto, yeah. onto Red Clover. But, nah. you know, experience so, is testament to, yeah. to what's working, obviously, here. That's what I've always heard as well. Be very yeah. careful with it, but no, that is interesting. Yeah. It's it was the best grass to that time of year mm. for sheep because it's should not down for speed, so it's mm. it was a good bite for him. Mm. And it seems, it seems a shame to waste it. Oh, <laughs> and then it's never, as I never, um, I may be wrong, I did no lambs this year, but I don't think so. But, uh, no, 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 if it's working, yeah, no. okay. I've heard that before, and t- but I've never had anybody to any problems with it. I've had that the theory it's not good, but I've never mm-hmm. actually had any problems with it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that uh, that kind of line of thinking is getting outdated now, but that's uh, there. There's some other factors not being accounted for, but it's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know they have been trying to breed the. Uh, the newer varieties with lower oestrogens in them so no. um, it's maybe starting to mm-hmm. pay dividends and no. it's good to hear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carbon capture is very topical right now yeah. Alistair, do you think the rotational system will have a, have a better carbon capture value than a kind of set stocking? I would think so because I just take a stronger root system so it's going to take more carbon into the soil it's also greener it, because it's a really more photosynthesis cutting. So, in theory, it should be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but how, how you measure that, and I can, but it, I think in theory, it should be better. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think carbon sequestration science is quite complex when it comes to grass. It's certainly not as simple as it is with forestry, which is a kind of straight line figure. Um, so, hopefully, the science will catch up and we can get some figures of that. But yes, yeah, I think you're right. The theory is that it should be. But whether that's been proven yet is another another no. issue. I think. Yeah, I think it would just be the the quantities. I think that, yes, we don't know really enough on that that side of it. But yes, in theory, it should be mm-hmm. contributing. Yeah, because it could be a, could be a potential income source in the future. And we can sell the carbon sequestration or carbon credits, I suppose. Particularly in an organic system, because if you can have a great conventional rotational system, but if you're hammering on the nitrogen, then you've got, you'll be counteracting your carbon sequestration anyway. No. Yeah. Um, organic farming's great for that because you're, you're not uh, applying any uh, bagged nitrogen fertiliser, which of course is, you know, can then release your nitrogen dioxide, mm-hmm. um, which is about 300 times more damaging than yeah. carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. So, so organic farmers are uh, streets ahead mm-hmm. uh, with regards to carbon footprint on with regards to that. Yeah, yeah. Especially a quite an intensive organic system like yourselves is going to be even at the kind of peak of that, I'd imagine. No. Have you had a carbon audit done? No, yeah, no. Something to think about, you might get a no. good result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're setting up a rotational grazing system, how many how many paddocks do you have in your system, first of all? We had uh, last year eight. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, two, two water troughs and four paddocks can teach water trough. Mm-hmm. It worked well because of the field, because the shape of the field, it worked good. It was just like a, mm-hmm. yeah. in a circle. Yeah. Uh, the year before that, at five, because why I peeled it, it wasn't quite so good because I had tail water bowser for one of the one of the paddocks, okay. which was a big hustle. Yeah. Uh, and first year, at 16. Okay. Yeah. So it was every day it moved. Yeah. But that was too much cuddle and 
too much cuddle in one area and it got poached and we had a bit of a mess. <laughs> so I went. Kind of came back and that that, bit that bit Quite a lot of work that too, daily shifts. Oh, I bet it was, it was good. I actually enjoyed doing it because uh-huh, yeah. he saw the cuddle every day and yeah. they knew it was coming. So as soon as he saw they went over to the fence and got moved through. Yeah. It, was, it was good. Did you find the cattle quite settled on a daily shift? or? No. Yeah, they were. Okay. No. As long as the weather was good. It was yeah. a close calm day. They were meeting through the other than it was pretty good. So the weather was fine. The fence held okay. Yeah. Hmm. And what kind of fencing setup do you have for your products? Just single electric wire. Okay, yeah. yeah. It works well. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. good. So quite cheap setup, would you say? Aye. Yeah. Aye, oh, it's expensive at all. Probably the most expensive bit was what, the, what a trough and pipe. Yeah, okay. Because that is something which puts people off, I think, quite often, is uh, the, the cost or the perceived cost of setting up a paddock system. Um, but yeah. Depends on... The field it tops to be because the field's going into next year. When it be when it's easy to set up because of the shape of it's got a long and narrow field. Mm. So I'm not quite sure how I'm going to. So you might need either more water troughs, maybe. No. Yeah. There were long narrow steps that were to work short flat steps I don't know. Yeah. 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 Short long narrow steps it's fine for the water because the water has the field bottom field. They work short. Wide steps. I'll need to get water up to the top of the field somehow. So yeah, just kind of logistics of setting up the system. Yeah. I suppose say you've been into this for ten, fifteen years, and you should have all the water trucks there. And the longer you do it, the easier it would get you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. do you want to kind of quickly kind of explain the difference what we call rotational grazing and paddock grazing, uh, or even cell grazing being the the real small scale or uh, multiple paddocks okay um, generally I would say rotational grazing would be where you're uh, moving stock maybe on a week to ten day basis around maybe three or four fields or paddocks mm-hmm. um, paddock grazing would be more intense and I would say would be maybe moving them every three days mm. Um Cell grazing, I would say, would be the next level up where you're just doing daily shifts. Um, That would be quite typical maybe in dairy farm situations where they're moving to fresh bite um, after every milking. Um, And that, I suppose, the the paddock grazing theory is that, uh, you know, once the the grass plant's been grazed, it'll be starting to uh, send up a new uh, leaf after within three days um, so you're not wanting that regrowth grazed off you, you want to allow it to grow up uh, again and become the solar panel to allow the, the plant to, to, to grow more and um, and get three leaves uh, three live leaves um, which can then be, be utilised mm-hmm. sort of 20 days later or so mm-hmm. um, once you're back around here so you know having maybe some as as Alistair said earlier, maybe having eight paddocks uh, in a system can work well. Um, where you can then have every three days a shift. That's that's a twenty four days a rotation, and 
and uh, depending on the grass growth you can cut out a few paddocks uh, for silage or hay uh, and as the grass growth slows then allow them back into all eight paddocks in, in rotation yeah. Um, so yeah that I would say that would um, how that worked and of course clover far prefers a rotational grazing system anyway just to allow uh, it to recover from from it uh, doesn't like that persistent grazing mm. um, and, that, and especially the, which is even more important in an organic setup too of course yeah. yes and especially the medium and larger leaved white clovers uh, they're not as persistent uh, on a continual grazing system mm. so so um, on your temporary grassland a rotational grazing system works quite well as as we're seeing at Alistair's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just on the subject of the moves, see there's a, a sward measuring stick on the table here. Do you use the sward stick much, Alistair, when you're shifting them, or do you just kind of get a feel for I it? I did for a start, yeah. but now I just guess. Yeah. I end with it, and then I use it for a start, I did use it for a start. And do you find you're varying your uh, shifts? Is it always kind of three days, or do you sometimes at two days need a shift? Or? You're very variable. It was, yeah. it was just depending on the grass growth. Yeah. Usually we tend to shift them because the next field was re- next paddock was ready rather than because that paddock was grazed. Yeah, yeah. So you tend to be shifting them probably faster than than you could have if you, you could yeah, have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's no point letting the grass in front get too far ahead. Perhaps it's trouble there. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to make decisions at some point. We have to cut out a paddock ahead of time. But no. yeah, mm-hmm. that's where the Mm-hmm. You, you can be very scientific with it as regards these uh, sword sticks mm-hmm. um, or even plate meters where they'll be measuring grass yields in, in kilograms of dry matter um, and that or you can be quite simple as regards you know people talk about beer can height um, or golf ball height <laughs> uh, grass mm-hmm. um, you know a good one I always got told was uh, uh one of those larger matchboxes on the flat the grass is too short on its edge it's just about right but on its end it's too tall Um, and that's that's always one I remember but each to their own everyone's got their own and as Alistair said you get your eye in it's better I think it more is an art rather than a science yeah so, I, think, I know some people who get very into rotation grazing can get very focused on measuring grass all the time. But that's not necessarily necessary if you want to get into the real kind mm-hmm. of technical side of it. You can, but it's not necessarily needed. It's, it's back to the saying about you, you can't manage until you measure. Mm. So uh, once you start measuring, uh, yes, as you said, people can get very into it and, and measuring with plate meters. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's like, and I suppose plate meters are and sword stick measuring is is good if you want to do a sort of feed budgeting ahead mm. and planning ahead uh, and knowing when you can take out paddocks um, ahead of um, or whether you want to increase stock further. Um, it's it's allowing you to plan ahead basically, mm. um, and with confidence. Yeah. yeah. So, stock health. Mm-hmm. No, we got a worm sample done at the end of last year, cattle. Because uh, we don't have a worm cattle since 2008, last time I went around any cattle. Mm-hmm. The worm count was with the four different samples that took out uh, different ages of cattle. She found one worm, okay. which is quite amazing. 
As far as why does the rotational system keep worms doing, or is it beast healthier because their guts are healthier and the didn't, worms don't affect them? I have heard on sheep system rotational grazing can be worse, or sometimes can be worse because you can be can be quite a high stocking density. It's just because you've got so many sheep on small paddock, there's yeah. a greater chance of picking up more worms. But I think the other side of that, which I've heard talked about, would be uh, if you're given it a rest period, that's giving them a chance for the worms to be killed off by sunlight. Yeah. So if you've got a good long rest period, then it should be helping the worms. Yeah. I think I would be agreeing with you there that uh, high stocking rates can be an issue um, and that, but... Uh, Clean grazing systems uh, will probably be helping as well, so that it's it's new grass that the sheep uh, have no. never been on to, mm-hmm. um, and that, or it's new grass that the cattle are on to. Um, so. I thought maybe because they were they were healthy, healthy guts, and I think it, uh, they were sort of immune to the worms. And the worms weren't able to uh, get established in them because they were just yeah. You know, Healthy, it could be that healthy bacteria in the salt in the guts. Yeah, but a question for a veterinary is not quite qualified. But equally, I, at times I think you can get quite a lot of worms in a beast and it doesn't really affect them when they're healthy as well. No, so you might still see the worms in the sample, but then the cat will be doing well and going fine. No, so yeah, it could be equally if they continue in that, then maybe the, the worm population would drop off eventually. And did you say the worm sample was from the cows? If the cattle was grazed, or the cattle that was grazed here. Yeah. Yes. The food and there was one from the young coffers, the coffers, and one from the two year olds, and one from the eighteen months, one from two year olds, mm-hmm. and only found one in the whole four samples. Yeah, that was quite impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. the same, doesn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that that could be a benefit, but um, I'm not that sure to be honest. No, it was just a a side effect, I mean, a side effect, but a a bonus effect. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk through that mixture at all? Or we well, touched we on maybe could, what mixture is this used on? That was the gossip was the rotational grazing with last that was a uh five year five, six year long term mixture. That uh, Okay. Okay, so we've got in in the mixture uh, that Arthur's sowing here on the temporary grass, on the temporary arable land, uh, we've got um, mixtures of perennial rye grasses. I see we've got some plantain, um, um, violin, white clovers, um, grassland bounty, um, and a, there's a good number of there's lots of different clovers, um, different lots of different clovers, a good variety um, of different uh, clovers there. Not sure, is there a red clover in that? That's a red clover. The field. Oh yeah, the trifolium. Promise, I'm just going to clover it. Yes, good variety. Um, generally, I would be saying, I suppose, that the perennial ryegrasses would be uh, better suited to be a, a tetraploid grass. 
um, because they'll be higher in sugars. Um, they maybe don't tiller the same, but that allows the light to get down uh, into the ground and allows the uh, the light to get to the clover leaves to to allow the clover to, to work hard for you. It was um, a lot of uh, late late heron ryegrass, so the ryegrass was ready at the same time as the red clover, because I thought I was finding the ryegrass was uh, seeded and the red clover was still going. Ah, right, yes, so no, that would probably... We went down for a, that's a later varieties of red ryegrass. Yes, okay. yes. Mm-hmm. Because those are far more dependent on the soil temperature uh, before you get production and the clover uh, kicking a, off. That's a trouble that in the springtime you don't need the nitrogen to get the grass growing so it's really slower growing in the springtime. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's just more a slower, steady it's rise. Slow, mm-hmm. But then at the end of the year it keeps on growing and it was just yes. 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 I noticed you've got planting in there. Is that quite persistent in the grass? Have you seen it? It's still like, ah, it seems to be going okay. Yeah. It, it plant, it was some of the herbs. Sheep's parsley. Um, the planting's still there. And uh, is it a yarrow as well? Don't see yarrow. Just on the planting, has got anthelmintic properties. Uh, I'm that. So, mm-hmm. that's where I'm so <laughs> it could be a factor, certainly. Yeah. It's very good for a uh, vitamin and mineral content okay. uh, planting. Um, and it also works well in dry ground, um, and that because it's got a deep tap root, mm-hmm. so it can it can bring up the moisture from deep in the soil, and I suppose the minerals too. Yeah, that could be another reason why your grass is doing well in a drier year, the more diverse kind of mix. Aye. like that would be then a straightforward rye grass and clover type of conventional mixture. Fits on phone. Sewing foin is another legume um, which uh, is maybe a bit similar to lucerne. Um, it's maybe got some anthelmintic properties as well, to right? it as well. No. Um, it's very high in protein, um, very drought resistant no. uh, plant as well. Um, it does like dry kind of soils though. Um, and that um, and it's got deep, deep roots. Yield-wise, I think it could be quite um, temperamental, I suppose, uh, especially up here in Upland Aberdeenshire. No. Um, soil temperatures might be a little bit low for it to, to perform to its, its maximum. Um, and I, I suppose it would be poor relation to Lucerne, I suppose, which um, we might get Lucerne to grow up here, but it probably wouldn't persist or or yield as as, as high as it as it maybe could um, in sunnier, warmer climes. Have you been including kind of herbs like that in your grass mixtures for a few years now, or is that something? No, just the last two years. Just okay. So the last year's grazing was the first year mm-hmm. grazing it. Okay. But the uh, plantings you saw see had. That's good to grow in now. Mm-hmm. But the early stuff, I don't recognise it anyway. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Your denotation raising on the the kind of the better ground. Have you considered kind of opening that up to the permanent pasture as well, or is there a reason why you wouldn't? Well, in a way, I've been doing it the permanent pasture for years. We should use it the license was doing it because the grass, the fields in there could wait until ten acre. Was it up? Between eight to ten acre fields. There's six fields. Mm-hmm. I'll be moving the cows around every four or five days. Okay. Anyway, and, and so the rotational grazing, but didn't know it was called that. Yeah, yeah. And they, they always do well, and like they always yeah. uh, yeah. actually do plenty grass. And that's good. Eh? So you'll be moving them to a slightly higher, uh, higher sward, I suppose. Than no, really, no. It's probably. Yeah, he was usually chasing the grass. Yeah. So yeah, he was some of the guys guess the grass into head move from before that's kinda probably up to the height it should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then it's old grass, it's again probably twenty, thirty year old grass mm-hmm. thing. Do you have any plan to turn that over and reseed it or or is it would it be plowable that doesn't it? It is plowable with this job. We usually try and seed better if Four or five years, we received one of the fields. Mm-hmm. So, the one being the field that's received this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in Neeps last year. Okay. Do you yeah. get to lime these permanent grass fields much, or do you find you have to much, or what's the pH in some of these permanent grassland areas? The pH tends to seems to stick about 5.8. It doesn't seem to go much below that. It just seems to be, that just seems to be far as. Uh, What's to be? Must be, aye. Yeah. Yes. Because it's a wee bit higher, it would be better, but just for grass, it's probably 5.8 is probably like so. Yeah. It depends, I suppose, what type of soil is, whether it's a peatier soil, um, because the higher organic matter soils, um, the optimum pH can come down because there's less um, toxic elements like aluminium yeah. uh, in. In, in the soil um, and because I suppose on a normal mineral soil it, uh, in Scotland generally you'd be saying you want to lime the fields to about pH of s- above 6 or 6.2 no um, and that and from Woodlands trial field at uh, Crabston uh, you can definitely see um, the difference uh in clover at the different pH levels where that trial has has a range of different pHs from pH four and a half up to pH seven and a half. No. Um so so yeah, getting that that pH right can um, boost productivity as well. No. Mm-hmm. And the sheep, do you rotate them at all or what's their no, set up? The sheep up in the hill. Well, so it's half a cows. Rotational basis is not possible up there. Mm-hmm. They, they come down to the fields here for lambing, then mm-hmm. they back up again in May. The lambs are being in mid August, and they'll come down around the south aftermath mm-hmm. and use a stone up the far end of the hill. So then, if it, and then it, the only thing they're doing to the fields is for the top one again okay. in mm-hmm. November. Mm-hmm. Uh, half the hill is. SSSI because there's some rare plants up there. Okay. Uh, so we have to uh, sit and stuck her right up in that bit of hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, please SH. It's 
so that's what the white gallows are for. Mm. They're putting up their foot in the summertime to okay. graze head mm. along with some sheep. Okay. Is that is that through a scheme or is it a, would it be a management contract sometimes here at SNH or is it? Well, I don't really it's know. It's a, there's a, a, we will management plan. Okay. Um, but, uh, mm. I didn't came with the management's help in the plants that were supposed to help her or hindering them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. They're, they're happy on that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mixed grazing should probably help the biodiversity, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, don't know. I think I think cows probably better than sheep, but yeah. the, the, the uh, cattle the cattle will graze rougher material. Uh, the sheep are very selective grazers no. uh, and will only take the, the juiciest, kind of youngest mm-hmm. leaves yeah. of plants, no. whereas cattle will, will mow up a lot more uh, of the, the rougher, uh, stemmier material yeah. and so can probably help improve mm-hmm. the, the, the vegetation and the sward and the, and the biodiversity mm-hmm. uh, no. on the hill ground. Definitely sheep, they don't seem to... They do well up there. The lambs from there are a lot smaller than the rest mm-hmm. of the lambs. Mm-hmm. And they never seem to settle up. They're just walking the fence trying to get out all the time. Mm-hmm. But the cattle seem to they seem happy enough. They'll go mm-hmm. spread the hell. And, you know, they try to put the singles up there. The theory used it's it's singles and the uh, hogs just having you know, lambs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not good because they don't they like it up there and just stand to get them back down against them. Mm-hmm. Mm. But you use what months are wind mm. put, put other sheep up there to tidy it up. Well, thanks, you and thanks, Alistair, for your time. Thank you. Oh, thank you.